Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And it doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> you don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Well, I noticed uh, <clears throat> my little grandson, he's about seven, eight months old, he apparently has some kind of uh, nauseous reaction. I uh, picked up on this because I'm a highly trained professional. Uh, when I hold him, hold him over my shoulder, apparently... The smell of a clean shirt uh, makes him uh, react. Yeah, yeah, he uh, pretty much every time, pretty much every time. If the shirt is clean, he's going to uh, give his nonverbal opinion of my shirt. I noticed that. But I, I, well, let me give you the number out, and then I'll tell you what a good dad I am. 877-573-7825 is the number to call. To get onto the program, I want to thank the folks last night in Traverse City. Wonderful group there at the Opry House. Boy, that was a nice joint. Ooh-wee. Got a chance to go there. Now, coming up, going to come up to Detroit. Good Lord permitting tomorrow at Legatus. And then uh, Tacoma on Friday night. And Seattle, Bremerton on Saturday. And then Sunday night, the spectacularly beautiful place. Coeur d'Alene. I don't know what that stands for. It looks fancy, though, the way it's spelled. Probably means something like, kind of like Baton Rouge, you know, means red stick. And you wouldn't say red stick, because Baton Rouge sounds so much more cosmopolitan. If you're interested in any of those talks, just go to the website, drray.com, and the info is there. Now I'll tell you what a good daddy I am. This was a while back, and I think it's really important. The kids got to know you got their back. I spent, this was from when my son was about eight years old, I spent close to 45 minutes <clears throat> searching with him, trying to find the M&Ms that he couldn't find, that he thought he had. And I said, I'll, Andrew, I'll help you, I'll help you look. Uh, the M&Ms that, uh, that I had eaten the day before. But I think it was the thought the, and the action that counted. I was helping him look. Dad, you're great. Dad is great. I know, son. Okay, 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call to get onto the program. If you've got a question about the stuff of life, your own life, somebody else's life, life in general, whether it's a psychological question, an emotional question, an intellectual question, Maybe a faith question. We had some good faith questions last week. Co-redemptrix, you know. And the only reason I can kick a stab at those, I'm not David Anders, and I'm not Jimmy Aiken, and John Martinoni, and Colin Donovan, all them really, really, really bright people. I'm kind of the underling. But every once in a while, I can uh, I can sound like I know what I'm talking about. So you call that number, 877-573-7825, and you will get Eric Dumont. He will call you. A little under the weather today. 
I drove from Traverse City last night. Now, I live in North Canton, Ohio, which is approximately 440 miles from Traverse City. I got into the car at 8.35 at night and pulled in quarter after three. Yeah, that's... um, used to be able to do that a lot better when I was younger. But it's a good thing it was downhill. You know, Traverse City all the way down to Ohio is downhill all the way. If you look out on the map, you can see it's downhill. What is your personal apology percentage? How wrong do you have to be before you will say, I'm sorry? Let me make that a little more specific. What percentage of the trouble in a particular friction-filled interaction with someone has to be yours before you'll say, I'm sorry? For most people, it's 50%. i got to at least be half wrong. Now, the problem with establishing a personal apology percentage is that we're not objective. We're subjective. It's safe to say that we give ourselves less blame, subjectively, than is objective. I don't think I was that wrong, you know, in that little exchange that I had with my brother-in-law. I don't think I was all that wrong. So I'll, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll take 22% of the blame. (coughs) Excuse me, you're going to have to put up a little bit of that. I'll take 22% of the blame. But if you had... Ten people observing the interchange, they'd say, Ray, uh, I'm thinking 48% of the blame was yours. That's uh, that's our average across the board. And I've got the Russian judge who says it's a lot less than that. But for the most part, you don't get that Russian judge uh, illusion. That was in, remember in the, in the Olympics, the Russian judge always had the lowest score for the American figure skaters and the American gymnasts and all that. All the others had 9.9s, and the Russian judge was 9.2. A Christian should have a very low personal apology percentage. A Christian should apologize for whatever is their part of the problem, independent of the other person. A scenario. You're with your spouse, <clears throat> you get into an argument. And as you feel un, unfairly assaulted verbally, this is going on and you're trying to keep your cool, trying to keep your cool, you're not saying much. It's kind of a kind of a rant aimed at you. And finally, that's it. You erupt. You yell, you scream, maybe you throw a curse word out. Now that exchange went on about uh, 17 minutes. At the end of it, you took about 15 seconds, although it was an intense 15 seconds. It wasn't just a linear 15 seconds. It was a nasty 15 seconds, okay? And you're thinking, yeah, okay, uh, I shouldn't have done that, but this is just a small part of that whole argument. And I don't see why I should have to apologize for my tiny little part when my spouse should apologize for 84% of it. Well, were you wrong? 
Well, yes, but I, I wasn't all, I wasn't totally wrong. Well, no, that's not the point. That's not what we're saying. This is not a matter of I'll apologize if the other person apologizes. I'll apologize if the other person recognizes their percentage of the problem. I'll apologize if the other person is willing to say, okay, I'm sorry too. No. The apology is just for what you did. Oh, that's great, Ray, because then all of a sudden they'll think that I'm all wrong and they're all right. Now, people do do that, by the way. That's very common. If you apologize for screaming and saying a curse word, the other person may think, yeah, well, you're right there. See that? Look at that. You were the, you were the main fault in that exchange. They could think that. It's not your concern, is it? Your concern is, i got to say I'm sorry for what I did. But the good news fair amount of people i don't know the exact percentage i think it varies from person to person and marriage to marriage and spouse to spouse but a fair amount of people when you apologize for your small percent will apologize for at least part of theirs too <clears throat> they will you will take the initiative in your personal apology percentage apologizing for your 17 percent not their 83 percent notice how fast i did that yeah that's why they referred me to engineering when I was a senior in high school because the counselor said, boy, Ray, you're really good in math. You should go into engineering. And I thought, well, I do like to live in those little cabooses. That's kind of neat. You know, shake that little lantern out the back. All right, I'll do that. Personal apology percentage is a Christian percentage. The question becomes not how wrong was I. The question was, is, was I wrong? But wait a minute, Dr. A, the other person isn't going to apologize. Why should I have to apologize? Well, because if you say you're a Christian, you operate out of a different set of principles. Or maybe a, a more embracing set of principles. Maybe the other person says they're a Christian too, but when it comes to their own self-protection, they aren't necessarily going to apologize because... So, personal apology percentage. Get it down as low as you can. It's uh, it's something that good Christians should practice. It's something that you'll probably shake people up when you do it. And it's something that you can't necessarily expect the other person to reciprocate with their percentage. Do not worry about the idea that you're, you're sending a signal. The signal is, you didn't do anything wrong. I'm the one who did something wrong because I'm the one who's apologizing. No, 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 that is not it. See if you can get your personal apology percentage down to 20 That'd be pretty low. Really would. 877-573-7825-877-57 equal is the number to call. I sure would like to hear from you. And I'll apologize for my percentage of not getting to you quick enough. I, I, I will. Today's programming on 990 WTEO is brought to you in part by a gift from our day sponsor. 
The annual Rose Mass for Catholic Healthcare Workers, celebrated by Bishop Boyer, will be at 4.30 p.m. Saturday, March 9th at St. Thomas in Ann Arbor, followed by a reception in the Parish Hall. Karen Bussey, director of the Mother Teresa House, will speak on redemptive suffering. Suggested free will donation is $20. RSVP at cmalansing at gmail.com. That's cmalansing at gmail.com. When you talk about the Reformation, you often hear talk of five solas. Sola Scriptura, Sola Fide, Sola Gratia, Solus Christus, and Soli Deo Gloria. Catholics have no serious problem with Solus Christus or Sola Gratia. The problems are with Sola Scriptura and Sola Fide. Catholics will maintain that Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone, is itself unscriptural. Where in Scripture does Scripture refer to itself as the only infallible authority that we have? It's also illogical to say that you stand on Scripture alone presupposes that you know what Scripture is. And Frankly, we don't know what Scripture is because it's a tradition that we've inherited. We don't establish it. We know what counts as Holy Scripture because Catholic bishops detected that certain texts were inspired by God. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays from 4 to 6 on Ave Maria Radio and AveMariaRadio.net. Do the winter blues have your kids feeling down? Swim lessons at Big Blue Swim School can help. Research shows that regular exercise helps reduce anxiety as well as improve mood and sleep quality. Locally owned and operated, Big Blue Swim School is on West Eisenhower Parkway in Ann Arbor, just down from Whole Foods. Stop in or visit BigBlueSwimSchool.com to learn more. Register by March 17th to get 60% off your first four lessons when you mention Ave Maria Radio. Very nice. Very nice to have you here. Actually, at my age, it's very, very nice to be here. Conversations with Consequences. We've got Saturday afternoon, 5 Eastern Time on EWTN Radio. Conversations with Consequences is the weekly radio show of the Catholic Association. Hosted by Dr. Grazie Christi. I think that's Italian. More Italian than mine sounds. Ray Grandi. Yeah, my grandfather didn't know how to pronounce our last name for the immigration officer, so the immigration officer just changed it. Now, they have conversations on topics that matter for an educated and Catholic audience that wants to be well-informed. Good stuff it is, Dr. Grazie Christi. Oh, man, that's like a, that's the name of like a Hollywood starlet, starring Grazie Christi, you know. Okay, good questions up there. Uh, let's go to Allison from Omaha, Nebraska. Allison, were you there at the big 25-year anniversary gala for KVSS? Hello? Allison, Allison did I wake you up? No, I wasn't sure because it went into other, <laughs> to other words afterwards, and it wasn't exactly what he said that would be said to come on the air. So I was did you, did, were you, were you... Were you at the twenty uh, fifth anniversary for KBSS? Uh no, uh uh-uh. uh. Uh huh. And uh, we're not actual residents of Omaha. We are just residing in this area right now. Allison, don't think somebody. We we noticed. Don't think people didn't <laughs> notice that you should have been there. I saw the petition. <laughs> Who could I, benefit? I felt it from in my heart. I should have been, but you know. <laughs> are you lying to me? Is is it genetic, Allison? <laughs> 
I was just trying to make you feel better. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, dear. Well, how old is this lying adult child? She's 21. Well, you don't sound much older than 21 yourself. Oh, I am. Trust me. Yeah, married <laughs> Good genetics. I'll thank huh? God and my parents for that. <laughs> Is she living at home? Um, okay. Well, how much time do you have? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I have approximately 43 minutes. <laughs> it is a very long and complicated story. Um, she has she has recent. I say recently, it's been in the past uh, year, almost two years now, um, living back home with us. Uh, she pulled one of her shenanigans and stunts of us putting our foot down, saying you can't do this, it's not right, or this is not a good idea. Um, ran off and got married. Did you know you can get married by a double proxy in the state of Montana? We didn't until then. I didn't know that, but um, I saw it on Jeopardy. <laughs> Yeah, well, we found out the hard way on that one. <laughs> um, she married a Marine, moved out to San Diego. She'd only known this Marine, mind you, for maybe maybe six weeks long distance. Um, moved out to San Diego, ended up in a, a pretty bad situation. Um, he was mentally abusive, was withholding money for her to buy groceries. She ended up getting pregnant, and us as the parents not wanting to see her suffer in that kind of a situation, um, made a point to go out, gather her up, and bring her back to live with us. Until okay, she so get she, back on her feet. let's bring us up to date here, Allison. Like she's living at home with you with the baby. Mm-hmm. Yes. And she's not exactly mature and cooperative. In a couple weeks. She's not exactly mature um, and cooperative. <laughs> no, she complains because we don't treat her like an adult, but when we sit down for dinner and I have to remind her to get her daughter a drink for her dinner or keep small stuff picked up off the floor so her daughter won't choke on it or um, her her area downstairs, which is one of the rules. That you don't want her to be like that, do you? But clean. You don't want her to be <laughs> <No>. like that. <laughs> I but you're stuck. Be mature, but you're trapped. Like, yeah, you're yeah. trapped. We are. Because the baby's there. <laughs> we are. Otherwise, you probably say, get out. Which is what we did the first time. And that's and now the, the baby's there. <laughs> yep. So, here's the question. Okay. Is that baby, the safety of that baby, the hugs and kisses that Grandma gives that baby, the number one priority in this whole scenario... I would like to think so. I mean, I okay. don't want to see her suffer you. needlessly. You. Yeah. <laughs> then, here's the bad news, Allison. Here's the bad news. You're going to have to shut your mouth. <laughs> she doesn't like you telling her what to do. She fights you back, doesn't she? She does. If you say, that's exactly right. If you say, you need to get her, you need to get her a cup. Mom, I know what I'm doing. I can get her a cup. I don't need you telling me, Mom, every time to get her a cup. Something Mm -hmm. like that? Uh, No, she usually just gets up and does it. But then she gets passive aggressive and she'll find people who don't know us that well. And then, and then, then trash you. The story. Trash you. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, it's not just trash. Okay. So, Allison, here, wait, with a lot of details, honey, what are you asking? <laughs> what are you asking? Um, how do I get, 
when she is caught in the situations of making up stories about us and trashing us, she won't ever apologize for the situation. She just looks at us and then plays the victim in the whole thing, like that we were these horrible people. That Here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. You ready? Here's how you do it. <laughs> yeah. Here's how you do it. You recognize that when your daughter lives with you, with that little baby that you're protecting, that you're going to be trashed. And she feels justified in trashing you. So she's not apologizing because she didn't do anything wrong in her in her eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're trapped. That's why I asked if that baby is utmost priority, that baby's welfare, and you're going to provide a stable environment for that baby because your daughter's incredibly immature and impulsive, mm-hmm. makes all kinds of dumb moves, and sees the whole world is wrong mm-hmm. instead of her. If that's the case then you're not going to get her to be necessarily reasonable and say, wow, mom and dad are so good to me. They're letting me live here. They don't charge me very much. They take care of the baby. Wow, am I lucky? What wonderful parents I have. I'm going to tell the whole world how wonderful my parents are. Uh-huh. Well, see, she does that for a little bit. Like when we when um, she got out to San Diego and realized the bad situation she was in, it was well by comparison, sorry, Allison. By comparison, <laughs> yeah, she's in an abusive relationship. You look okay. So I would suggest, I would suggest you quit frustrating yourself because you're either going to have to decide to do something about it, which you won't do because her baby's at stake. Or you're going to have mm-hmm. to do what you can to reduce the clashes with your daughter. You're expecting her to be reasonable, and she's not. And yeah. you just get fr- you get frustrated every day. Why can't she see? Why yeah. can't she see? I mean, because we're getting to the point where we have to put our foot down because we're getting ready to move again mm-hmm. as well. And we told her, like, okay, you can move with mm-hmm. us or you can stay here. Like, those well. are your choices. You have a job. And okay. that's when the... My honey, I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have to let again. you go because i got a lot of calls backing up. But uh, that that would be my suggestion. Okay. You're gonna, you are going to have to quit button heads with her because she can butt heads a lot longer than you can because it frustrates you more than it probably does her. And the more you butt heads with her, okay. the more she, she has information to tell everybody that you're just a butthead or something like that. <laughs> Wish I could have given you more, Allison. <laughs> the problem is, this yeah. is this is the problem in all human interaction. You cannot make people behave the way you'd like them to behave. That is the number one rule of human interaction. And sometimes you're forced into a position to say, I've just got to deal with this person flow with this person, ignore this person, or put distance with this person because they're not they're not going to cooperate. There you go, Allison. Bless Thanks. you, dear. All Jenny. Right. Thank Jenny. you. All right. <laughs> Jenny from Nebraska. I could tell Allison was disappointed because she's thinking, that's not very good advice. Well, here's the problem. you got a 21-year-old who sounds immature. And again, I don't know their daughter, but I do know the average 21-year-old in America now. And they are, in many respects, very self-centered, very entitled, very spoiled. They want to do what they want to do. And so many parents are now having these adult children live at home. And, of course, the adult children are various levels of cooperation, and the parents get frustrated. Tell them not to be like this. And the reality is, they are like this. And you have to decide what you're going to do about it. That's 
the big one, and that's why I kept going back to that little baby. If there was no little baby there, Allison would probably say, that's it, enough of that. But there's a little baby there, and she's worried about the irresponsible lifestyle of her daughter affecting that little baby. And that's why I kept saying, you're trapped. Now, she may not look at it like she's trapped. She may say, I love that little baby, and I'm glad that little baby's here, and I want to be a grandma, and I, and I can hug and kiss it. Okay. But it's kind of like playing ball. You want the shortstop who bats third. But he says, you want me, you got to take my brother, who bats ninth and catches. And if you look at the statistics, you will see that the adjustment statistics in terms of anxiety, depression, drug use, antisocial conduct, uh, lack of work ethic, motivation, they're all off the charts. What is it? Well, there's a lot of factors, but I think two of the more paramount ones are you gave God the boot. Now, many of our listeners didn't give God the boot. But the other thing that was very, very, very powerful was a very wealthy society. Very wealthy, very soft, very materialistic, very pleasure-seeking. And our children grew up in that. The way it is. Even if you don't do what the people around you do in terms of indulging your child, your child is going to be indulged. They are. They're going to live comfortably. They're going to have all the clothes they need. They're going to have all the food they need. They're going to have air conditioning everywhere they go. They don't have to put up with anything that's like, oh, the temperature, turn, turn the air on, please. I just got in the car. All of that gets somebody who essentially says, I don't seem to have the kind of self-discipline to make good choices and make my life better. That, that's very common out there now. Now, I don't know if it's the whole thing, but it's real, real common. So, Jenny from Nebraska. Now, before I speak to Jenny, I want to preface, preface with this. I saw a statistic. I forget how many presidents and premiers in the countries of Europe have no children. It is the majority. The rulers of those countries, by and large, I mean, you can probably look it up, but I remember thinking it was over 80%, have never had children. So, in fact, what does that do to how you think and how you approach things? Because children are one of the more common factors in somebody becoming more traditional and conservative. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Dr. Ray. That's interesting you mentioned the Europe statistic because um, I'm about to head to Portugal with my husband and two little ones, and I'm interested to see how many kids are out and about and how they treat families. Um, but my question for you is I recently um, saw in pop culture that 
um, the celebration of um, a married couple who have dual income and no kids, um, which the acronym is DINK. Mm-hmm. Um, so people who have that lifestyle are making videos and talking about how they love it. Um, I personally, I don't understand it. Um, I grew up, you know, in traditional values and I have a family of my own and, um, and this is not to put down any couples who could not have kids, but, um, I just wanted your take on um, understanding the mindset behind, in you know, celebrating and choosing not to have children when you are married. I think there are <clears throat> several factors. Obviously, these are not the only ones, but there are several. Uh, one, um, children are now not necessary. When we were more of an agrarian culture, uh, children were very, very helpful around. So you had five, six, seven, eight, nine kids because the whole family worked in the same direction. Well, that's really no longer that necessary anymore with our modern, fast-paced culture. That's one. Two, when you become more self-absorbed, and I think that's safe to say that our culture has a lot of self-absorption in it, why would I want to sacrifice share my time, and share my money with one of these little creatures. They can be frustrating. They can be demanding. Uh, I don't like that. I don't want that. I would rather have my own pleasure. Okay, I think that's another factor. A third factor, and Jenny, this one probably didn't occur to you, but it's becoming very big. The younger generation, the millennials and under, they have been hammered so hard with the idea that the world is going to end. We're ruining the climate. We only have so many years to actually exist before we destroy our planet. And many of them are saying, I don't want to bring a child into this world. That's a big factor, especially among the more, quote-unquote, educated, if you will. That's a factor. Fourth, marriage. Marriage is now just one option among many. Under age 35, more young people are living together than are married. So marriage is now the um, minority option under 35. Also, people get grief for having more than 1.86 children. Any parent listening to me right now knows. Various levels, they're afraid to tell people they're on their fourth child because they're going to get grief. Sucking up the rainforest. So... That's just a few of the factors, Jenny, that are kicking in to say children are just not a valuable thing. They are, they are inconvenient. They are something that you have to sacrifice who you are to raise them well and to live with them. And the ultimate irony, Jenny, and this is something that our priest said years ago, he would visit elderly, and they chose when they were of childbearing age, to have one, maybe two children. That's it. They didn't want to have any more. Any more was too much of a demand. And he'd visit them, and they'd be in their 80s, and they would be bemoaning the fact 
that their son, for example, lives nine states away. They hear from him ah, every eight, nine, ten months. Or their daughter is living her own life, and indeed, grandma or mom is just sort of, well, she's there, she raised us, but, but we got places to go, people to see, things to do. And he said, they made their choice. They said, I want one, I want two, max, that's it. And then, when the kids move far away, they're left alone. It's kind of a sad ending. I will tell you this, though, Jenny. I have never, ever talked to a parent who said, a parent who's long since raised their kids, who said, I had too many children. I've talked to hundreds who have said, I wish I'd have had more children. So there's my take. I know. You're overwhelmed with the intellectual puissance of my answer. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, yeah, I, as a environment part is interesting. Um, Didn't think of that one, did you? Yeah, I've had a few people just tell me, because of the evil of the world, I don't yeah. want to bring a child. I don't want to bring my it. kid into all this ugliness, huh? Yeah, I know. You have to wonder, Jenny, is that the real reason? Or is it, I really don't want to have kids, so I'm going to make it sound like I'm a really, really thoughtful, moral person saying, I'm doing this to protect the child I don't have. Thanks, Jenny. 877-57-EQUAL. Still got room, but we got calls up there, too. I've gone out to look for myself during the break. If I come back while I am gone... Hold me here until I return. Very nice to be with you. At this point, very nice to be anywhere. Thank you so very much. I got some kind of, I don't know, sinus thing going on. And the neat thing about that is that I can do a better Rocky impression. It's true. My voice isn't low enough to do Rocky. Adrian! Just like that. So that's for you, Adrian Price. Let's see where we're going here. Um, 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 anonymous, anonymous mom who has a, a 19-year-old who is just bedeviled uh, with scrupulosity. Hi, mom. Hi, dear. Um, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, so I, my daughter has been dealing with scrupulosity for about nine years now, and. Um, She's she's a very devout Catholic. She hasn't it hasn't come between her and her faith at all. But it it's mainly that I feel like a lot of the the finger pointing has been at me that somehow I caused it by you raised her too Catholic. Born. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. And she doesn't feel that way, um, and she's. Sometimes she's fine now. It still comes back every now and then. But well, mom, the mom if she doesn't, like if she doesn't feel that way, why do you feel that way? Well, because sometimes I do feel like maybe I did something to cause it. Maybe I, the way I taught her her faith, she was homeschooled. Maybe I did somehow 
instill too much of the guilt and not as much of the love or something. I don't know. So you're scouring your past to see exactly how spiritually incorrect you might have been. Yes, exactly. Hmm. <laughs> but you don't you don't have any evidence for that. No, it's just it's caused her so much pain and it's just it's just been like I, I just and and I just feel like so many people have said it to me that Wait, wait, wait! They and said you're you're too religious. Is that what they said? You you just you didn't yeah. let her you didn't let her be a yeah. kid. You just kind of soaked her in the Catholic faith. Is that it? Right, exactly. So, so should you have yeah. done less? Should you have said, well, okay, I'm. I'll tell you what. Let's skip a few Sunday masses. Uh, we won't go to confession, maybe, but once every six months. I really don't want you to take this too serious. So should you have done that? No, definitely not. So what you're but saying why? is that your particular daughter's temperament, the way she's yeah. wired, makes her absorb this idea that uh -huh. she's she's sinning or that she's worried that somehow she's not in God's good graces. But you think yeah. that somehow that that's something that you massaged into her psyche. How many uh, mom, how many kids I do you have? I I, I have four. Are the others like that? No. So this not. is this all, is her. She's my only girl though. I have three boys and she's the youngest and she's my girl. This is her. And this is her. It's who she is. I, and she is a very, very sensitive individual. She's also a very devout individual, but she's also very much a perfectionist. And I, I've had like I I feel like it crosses <laughs> over into O C D. I I think that that's correct. Um I'm not sure psychologically if that's correct. I guess so you got two issues here. You got two issues. The one is you really yeah. wish she'd have a little more peace about all of this. That her faith is a source of peace rather than a source of a source of anxiety. Okay, that's the one issue. Yeah. The other issue is yes, which means what 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 did have that. what did I do to cause this? Yes. I they think do. you are way off if you think you okay. caused this. So what you're basically saying okay. is this. If I attempt to raise a child to love and appreciate the faith deeply, then somehow there's a point. Now, I'm, you're, you're not, I'm going to make an assumption here, Mom. You're not basically yeah. a puritanical, beat you over the head kid, uh, God's going to roast you in hell if you don't do this. I'm going to assume you never did any of that. Uh, I'm, no. Right, exactly. No, no. <laughs> so, so you attempted to give her the faith as best you could, and that interacted with her temperament, with her personality. That's who yeah. she is. Yeah. She reacts that way. Your boys, that none of them react that way. Well, why? Didn't you screw them up, too? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, I... Yeah, she is very much, you know, that her temperament is completely different. Right. Um... Like she's I in think, college now. I, I think that some, somehow you, yeah, you got to get to the point with her that she gets with somebody she trusts, hopefully a priest, and the priest can calm her down and say, you're not walking on eggs and tripping into hell every time you make a mistake and that somehow you didn't make a right confession because you forgot something and now you got to go back to eight minutes later and tell them, 
they've got to attempt anyway to get her past yeah, this kind of neuroticism. That. That's what it is. She's yeah, neurotic about it. She is calm now. We've worked through it, but every once in a while it pops back up. But she ha- we've really done a lot of work to get her to the point where she has a lot of peace now. Well, good. Um, That's what you want. You're but, saying, you're saying I don't want her to ever have this again. Well, that may not be possible. She may just every so I mean, often. This, yeah. This is something that just comes back every now and then. Well, that's who she is. That's who she is. She's going she's gonna to do things in her life where she's going to wonder, was I wrong? How wrong was I? Was that a serious sin? Yeah. Maybe I didn't. So, so yeah. as she flows through life, she's going to come across situations yeah. that will arouse this kind of scrupulosity anxiety in her. But most of the time, she's okay. She kind of moves along. So at this point, you're asking two things. One, uh, what can I do to make her not be this way? And it sounds like you've already done some good things. You've already helped there. And two, uh, is it me? No, I'm very confident it's not you. Matter of fact, there's, there's evidence that indicates that scrupulosity is a form of obsessive compulsive disorder... And obsessive-compulsive disorder is kind of a form of overactive neurons. In other words, there's there's neurons in the brain that are too sensitive. They're firing off too quick. Yeah. That's and what you, she you, and I... We you didn't do that. We found that. You didn't do that, Mama. Yeah. So, and, so this is something that will probably come come back here and there throughout her life. And it's something that... Um, when she comes to me with it, like, I, I've learned to just kind of listen and not say much because I don't feel I can really solve it for her or do anything about it. I would say to her, I'd have a standard answer. I'd say, yeah. so you think that God is just waiting to club you over the head. So you think yeah. that God is not a loving God. Oh, no, no, I know he's a loving God. Well, it sounds like you're doubting that because if you think you've done something that's questionable in your own mind, God's waiting to club you. She doesn't have to do anything. A lot of it is okay. just like obtrusive thoughts. Yeah, and obtrusive thoughts. Tell her this about the intrusive thoughts. So what? Don't fight them. Yeah. Don't fight them. If they come in, they come in. Yeah. Float with them, like judo. Use your opponent's momentum yeah. in your favor. She, she's trying to grit her teeth and get rid of these thoughts. That's like me saying, don't think of a pink elephant. As soon as I say that, you're going to think of a pink elephant. So she's got, oh, exactly. to, she's got to eventually say, I don't want these thoughts. So if they come into my head, so what? I'm not entertaining them. Yeah. Thoughts flow through your head constantly. I have thoughts going through my head yeah. that I'm a really nice guy, and I ignore those. Okay, I just ignore those. <laughs> All righty, dear. Thank you. I got to run on pass. I got a pass break. This is Dr. Ray. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. 
Visiting Angels, America's Choice in Senior Home Care. It's time for Family Man with Dr. Gregory Popchuk. When kids get angry, a lot of parents just want to shut it down. Remember, though, that anger is a natural response to a perceived offense or need. Instead of just shutting down our kids' outbursts, it's better to help them learn to express their anger in ways that are appropriate, proportionate, and productive. Start by acknowledging and empathizing with their anger. Let them know you're happy to listen if they can express themselves appropriately. If they can't, give them some time to cool off, and when they're ready, offer to help them figure out a way to say their piece peacefully. Remember, it's not always wrong to feel angry. As parents, it's our job to help our kids harness the power of their anger for good. You can learn more about helping kids manage anger in our books, Parenting Your Kids with Grace and Parenting Your Teens and Tweens with Grace, or visit CatholicCounselors.com. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak, but you can call me Family Man. To discover more ways faith can enrich your life, visit CatholicCounselors.com. Ave Maria Radio invites you to feast on the joy of fasting this Lenten season and all year long. Fast from anxiety. Feast on trust. Fast from discouragement. Feast on hope. Fast from acts that tear down. Feast on acts that build up. Fasting is a part of true Christian life. It liberates us from this world as we grow closer to Christ. No errors on air. You and I are going to link heads. Hopefully my IQ will pull yours up. Yours won't pull mine down. Like my children did. I did some studies. Ten kids. That's an average of 2.94 lost IQ points per kid. And you don't get them back. You, You can recover somewhat, but you never really get them all back. Craig Calling from Massachusetts, and he was on the Good News Marriage Cruise. I remember that. Yeah, we had to have Craig. Craig, we had to have you remove. Security had to remove you because you got a little carried away there during my session. <laughs> well, well, I, you, you, maybe my wife. My wife was the karaoke rocker. She was. I'll tell you what. She was. The woman took the house down. Truly, <laughs> truly hey, did. Hey, hey, you did a great job, too, and, and actually... Uh, you know, my wife is uh, an Italian girl, you know, kind of that interesting mix between uh, religious, homemaker, spitfire kind of type, you know. So I figured you, you're good to maybe uh, give some observations uh, during, for a little argument we're having right now. Sure. So, um, yeah, right. On, on Put me cruise. in the middle of you and your wife. Good move, Craig. <laughs> so so we were on the cruise, you know, and, of course, we were listening to Sarah Kroger, who is if if anybody doesn't know, she's actually on the Hallow app as well, uh, doing some of the music. She's a you know an amazing voice, you know, beautiful contemporary Christian uh, songs uh, music. Uh, I love listening to her, um, and she did some of the masses on the on the on the ship as well. But um, you know, my wife doesn't think that um, co- contemporary Christian music is appropriate for the mass. Um, there are some Catholics that would say even songs like Amazing Grace isn't appropriate for the Mass either. And so um, I'd like to get your thoughts about, you know, um, you know what, what, what constitutes a song worthy of the Mass. What does your wife mean by appropriate? Uh, well, you know, she, she, loves, she loves, you know, Salve Regina, like in, in Latin, you know, uh, songs like that even, you know, some chants and things 
uh, during the mass. Um, things that are things that would be considered proved uh, for the mass. But um, this coming uh, from that a, rocker woman. Yeah, yeah, I know. A little bit of an incongruity in personality there. Um, yeah, well, the Italian girl. What can I say? So what she's saying is there there are traditional hymns that are much more reverential to use in a mass especially uh, with the solemnity of a Mass. That's what she's saying. And a lot of the modern Christian stuff is like, okay, yeah, let's just uh, sing uh, some song that you could kind of change the words to and and put it uh, on a Pop 40 radio station. But is there some kind of a standard for what's considered approved for the Mass or not? Not really. Typically it comes down to who's the music director. Uh, in our parish, we have a very traditional music director, and he picks mostly very uh, reverential worship-type songs. He doesn't pick songs that let's all celebrate us. We celebrate God. We worship God. Uh, but there are those yeah, masses. When I was when I was at the Newman Center in Kent, <clears throat> I don't think we <laughs> I don't think we had any hymns. Everything we did was kind of modern pop Christian music. That doesn't, of course, invalidate the mass. And one can say, I can't get into the Mass when that music kind of seems to grate on my ears. One could say that. But I think it would be a stretch to say, well, somehow that's disrespectful of the Mass. I mean, obviously you could have songs that are disrespectful, but, but just because a song is kind of a, a cheapy or it's sort of a fluffy kind of song. You know, and there's a lot of those uh, written in, you know... The, I remember the name of the guy who wrote a whole bunch of them. I forget him. I forget his name. I just said I remember it, but I forget. He wrote them in the 90s and the twos. And uh, it's Haig, Matt Haig, or somebody like that. He wrote a bunch, and they were all kind of, you know, just sort of let's all hold hands and sing. Um, So, yeah, I, I I understand your wife's perspective, certainly. And there's a lot of people who think that. I think that. I won't go so far as to say that somehow... <clears throat> if the music director chooses certain songs, like Sarah did, she had more m- modern pop Christian type songs, uh, that somehow that makes the mass less holy. I, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, is there something in the catechism that might say, you know, it's got to be kind of a, a, a prayer and song or something like that? I don't know for sure, but I would imagine the catechism would say the music has to be selected to show proper reverence. Yeah. They wouldn't want okay. songs coming in, you know, in a God of Vida. Right. So. Okay, hey, listen, I just wanted to get your opinion, you know. Uh, thanks very much, sir. Craig, I appreciate it. I remember that night we sat there after karaoke. We yeah. sat there. Your and wife... so, so we're contemplating going next year. Maybe we'll see you again. God willing. And by the way, I was tired of being your life's, your wife's lead-in act of karaoke. You know what? I, she was the headliner, and I just kind of got the Frisbees and the beach balls gone. Thanks, Craig. Well, she, she, hey, thanks a lot. i got to run, buddy. This is Dr. Ray. I appreciate the company very, very much. Andrew Kruchek, producer man, and Eric Dumont, call streamer man. And you, caller people, listener people. And Jack Williams, my boss watches me. It makes me nervous. Walk with God. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.